the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, inviting you to join the fight to end human trafficking. Look in the eyes to see. Look in me straight to leave. You give me all I need. So give me courage to believe. Each week, Abolition Radio sheds light on the darkness of modern slavery, celebrates the work of abolitionists who are fighting for freedom, and equips the church to engage in the work of justice with hope rooted in God's Word. Our goal is to see a radio audience become an army of gospel activists. You're in the neighborhoods we live in. You're in the ones we're passing by. You're in the ones we call our neighbors. And the ones who still sleep are Now here's the host of Abolition Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. And welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with a very special guest, um, and we'll introduce her in just a moment. But I wanted to welcome back my partner in justice, Benita Hopkins. Yay. Glad to be back. Did you have fun with your family? Yes, I did. Good. Yes, I did. Excellent. You look very, you look radiant. Hmm. And she's got (laughs) two buns going on the top here. She's looking. The play-by-play. Yeah, she's (laughs) looking great. Um, And then, of course, we have in the studio with us uh, Miss Kimberly Shields, who is going to tell us all about a school that she's been running in Kenya and great work she's been doing with International Justice Mission. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you, and thank you so much for welcoming me here Absolutely. on Abolition Radio. Yeah, yeah I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> so um, we're actually just going to dive right in. We started, uh, almost started to uh, learn a little bit more about what you're doing before we started, but we thought we'll just let uh, everyone hear the blow by blow, blow uh, <laughs> as we hear it, right? And um, so just starting off, um, Kimberly, you and your husband, Dave, and you have two children, right? Yes. Um, so you really feel uh, led to the mission field. And I've been doing this for 10 years now. How long has it been? So between the two countries, Kenya and the Philippines, it's about been about 12 years total. Wow. And we have been back in the Bay Area. Um, my one son and I have been back just about three months, mm. going on four months now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I had the pleasure of meeting her husband, Dave, as I was meeting with the uh, missions pastor, missions director over at uh, Cornerstone and Livermore. And um, we kind of crossed paths and Dave uh, was just raving about his wife and, and how awesome she is, first of all, which is fabulous. And then, of course, just the heart that they have for the people in the Philippines and in Kenya and um, and just to see people restored and see people healed and um, see people sustain, you know, be able to be self-sustaining. And, and so tell us about Solid Ground and how that came to be and, and, um, and how it's doing just just that okay so in 2010 
Our church started a new venture in the Philippines called 10,000 Windows. Yes. And so we were actually... Mark Fisher, hi! Yeah, how you doing, Mark? He's, yeah, we know him. He's a friend of ours. And so we were recruited to help start that organization. So we went over to the Philippines. I had never been there before, just went on the airplane. There I was. <laughs> and we took our two sons with us. I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, we started the office and we got a staff mm-hmm. there and it was fully operational within three months mm-hmm. after we arrived there. We started job readiness training classes with the students. And so I did that for a couple of years. About two years into that Endeavor. I was approached by the aftercare director from International Justice Mission, Mm -hmm. and she asked me to consider this need for transitional housing in Cebu. Mm -hmm. One thing I really appreciate about the community that we were in is that all of the aftercare services understand the importance of holistic restoration. Mm -hmm. So no one program fills 100% of all of the different needs for the services that the women, men, children need. And so we really work collaboratively together. So IAGM had identified this need for transitional housing. There were some government shelters and other shelters wherein mostly minors would stay there for 24-7. They would not be able to go out and be educated. Uh, And so they recruited me to take on this task. Mm. And so that's kind of how it was birthed. We have a uh, board chairperson, Dr. Shu. She's from here, uh, actually in the South Bay, and she was a child psychiatrist. So she was serving as an aftercare associate for IJM. Mm -hmm. So when she went there, she heard about the need, brought it back to some like-minded friends here in the Bay Area. They started a nonprofit, and that was all in 2012. We opened our doors in 2013, mm. and currently we have uh, successfully reintegrated eight women, and we have 15 women in our care, mm. and we are looking at expansion. Nice. Great. Uh, that's awesome. And so this is not just housing, but also education, correct? Um, we do a- assist with some basic educational needs, but that's where we rely on partners such as 10,000 Windows. Got you. They do provide scholarships for students who go through their program. Sometimes there are some other scholarships available through social welfare, or th- we have many IGM clients. Mm-hmm. So they, they can also avail of services if if there is a need. But education is a key component of what we do. Particularly since in that call in that context, if they don't have even, right. a, I mean, yeah. I think in most countries, right, mm-hmm. right, especially for for young women, if they don't have an education, yeah, yeah. yeah. very high risk for exploitation very. and other forms of mm-hmm. uh, you know crime and and abuse. So, um, just along those lines, so did you find that many of the children that you were engaging with um, were had already been exploited or were high risk for, for exploitation? Was that your observation? Yeah, so most of ours came from other referral partners, the government and private organizations like IJM, who referred women, we, we primarily focus on women, women to us who had already been exploited. Yeah, okay. And there takes many forms. So there's, yes. of course, the street level, mm-hmm. there's the house level, mm-hmm. there's bars, and, and now the, there's a big move toward online. 
Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. I, uh, what, you know, when we go out and we do our parent education, uh, one of the things that we emphasize um, is, uh, I'm just, you know, your point about the online pieces. Um, there was a study that was done with a artificial intelligence girl, an 11 year old Filipino girl. Um, her name was Sweetie. And she was placed online for 10 weeks. And in those 10 weeks, she was solicited by 20,000 people for sex. And so, you know, when, when we think about, um, oh, my child lives in such a safe neighborhood or my child, um, you know, they're both of our, both the parents are in the home, but, um, your child is on social media and your child is putting up pictures of themselves in what seems to be an innocent, um, you know, uh, outfit or at the beach or, you know, a swimming pool or whatever. And there are people that are lurking around mm-hmm. that, um, are looking for ways to manipulate that child. And um, and so keeping those ch- lines of communication are so key here in the U.S. and then uh, abroad, right? So uh, just, you know, that online piece is really front and center, for, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's just been growing and growing. Um, so, so you went in and opened up this home and you said eight women have come into the home? We've eight have graduated from our program successfully. So we currently have 15. Uh-huh. And we we have a little bit of a waiting list, so we do okay. have more referrals, and yeah. we're able to accommodate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, same here, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, housing is always the um, big challenge, and and so and I love what you said about partnering. I mean, I don't know what we would do in our houses without you know partners like Arm of Care and. Brett for Gray, who t- teaches our, he's a con- contractor, independent consultant that teaches our domestic violence classes and, you know, Second Chance, who does our, you know, abs- uh, drug and alcohol abstinence classes and so on, Celebrate Recovery, you know, uh, just all the different partners that come in. It's so, so important. Um, when we come back, I'd love to hear more about the kind of services that you found to be most impactful in the homes. And um, I'm just curious, you know, people, um, there's so many parallels, right? Housing is housing. People are people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, trauma restoration is trauma restoration. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear what, you know, what was particularly impactful and effective in your um, in your experience. And maybe we can compare notes. So we'll come right back and we'll hear some more from Kimberly. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today uh, with a special guest who has been um, doing some uh, restoration work, some very important restoration work in Kenya and in the Philippines over the last 12 years. Uh, Miss, Mrs. Kimberly Shields, who is um, running, established uh, Solid Ground International in partnership with uh, or as part of International Justice Mission. Um, and this is actually an International Justice Mission um, program, correct? Solid Solid ground, or is it separate? It's separate. Okay. So we're, yeah, we're a completely separate organization. Okay. So just like we partner with social services mm. and other organizations who are doing uh, residential care uh-huh. who want to refer to us, we also partner with the IJM. Gotcha. So, yeah. okay, so they sort of just kind of 
um, supported you as you as you launched it, and now you're going back and forth. They're making referrals and whatnot. Yes. yes. Okay. Got it. So, just speaking along the lines of those partnerships, what have you found to be, you know, sort of um, really life changing for you in the program in terms of different services that you've brought in or p- places that you've um, referred the, you know, the women in your home to go and, and get help. So job readiness training mm-hmm. has been really vital. And there is, of course, being ready for the interview, the resume writing, actually mm-hmm. taking some risk and going and applying in person. But there are also those intangible skills, mm-hmm. attitude, communication, mm-hmm. appearance, mm-hmm. things that may not be normally emphasized even as much as, say, graduating from college and getting that degree, but which greatly impact their chances of successfully passing an interview and being accepted into a job. And being sustainable. Yes, and and being able to sustain it through their time management skills. If they had previously worked with, even if it was a perpetrator, they may not have been on Mm -hmm. a timetable. Right. It's like, okay, you know, as the customer comes and and it, it works, it's, you know, there's not a lot of strict time constraints around it. So now to have to wake up at a certain time Mm -hmm. and I think we, yeah, we see that, the importance of all of those skills as well. So the job readiness is important. Education, vocational, or rather it be higher education. Of course, we get women who are 18 who still have not completed high school. Mm -hmm. So we have 20-year-olds in the ninth grade. Mm -hmm. And so that's really vital. In some cases, mental health services. Mm -hmm. And so we do link them up when there is a need for that. But to to really be honest, the biggest impact that we see long term are women who consistently make choices that will sustain them, that do provide them the type of health and just overall optimism in life are those who've had some type of spiritual awakening Mm. and it's not taught per se we do of course have some gatherings we do and and the women have their own times of fellowship Mm -hmm. but it's just more of a very natural organic Mm. process that they each go through over long term Mm -hmm. i have not seen many of our women one morning wake up and just be like all right that's it like Mm. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, spiritually, right. It it's is a process. A process. Yeah, a process. And all of those other supportive services help them right. to see. Okay, these people, they're for me. Yes, they're not mm-hmm. going to leave me. Right, they're not going to issues. Yeah. yeah. So, do you work at all with the families and trying to sort of restore the the connection, the family connection? Because oftentimes. Um, they're either contributing to the exploitation, mm-hmm. um, either indirectly or directly, just, you know, we need money, go out and find a job and knowing that there are no jobs and you ha- your daughter has no skills. And so you're kind of setting them up for exploitation, but the family is so poor, right? Mm-hmm. They have no other means to, um, to, to make it. And so do you find that there's um, a need to meet with family members and, and help empower them to go get work? Or does it sort of remain as that, you know, that woman, let's say, is the one who's carrying the family even in their new 
found um, healing. I do believe there is a need to reach the families. We don't specifically have employment opportunities that we provide for the extended families, but certainly we have, at an increasing rate, had to go out, meet with the families, talk to them, counsel the families. Mm-hmm. But even if they're, sometimes they are the perpetrators, but even when they're not, they are, you know, they just have this strong, mm-hmm. you know, this connection, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which we, we don't want them to break ties with their families. Right, right. As long as they're not posing a threat to them, they're not the perpetrator, they're not in prison, we want, like, this is your family. Right. right? And so we, we encourage them, if it's a Sunday, go out and see your family. But yeah, we've had to do a lot of follow-up mm-hmm. with different family members, lots of home visits. Yeah. Um, especially when they start to whisper little things like, mm. oh, you know, you don't really need to go to school anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, let's just go get a job and then help support us. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the problem is that there's this this constant, um, even here in in the you know in mm-hmm. the states where yeah. where people can can get you know SSA uh, SSI or they can get you know GA or or um, you know CalWORKs if they have children, um, it's not very much, and then the family um, is uh, if they're in need, there's this sort of like you said this slight pressure Mm -hmm. that's being applied. I can think of one woman in particular who was living in an apartment or in a house with her, with her mother and her mother knew that she was a, she was a mother of a small child and she had no means, no, no skills to be able to pay for the rent that she was charging Mm -hmm. her. And it was just kind of like, why would you charge your daughter this rent if you know she cannot pay it? And so what she started to do was, you know, being exploited mm-hmm. and um and you know the mom said i had no idea what she was doing i was like well <laughs> you know she had to be doing something illegal because she wasn't ever at work um uh so maybe she was selling drugs or something or she was being taken advantage of in this mm-hmm. case you know so it was um it was a tough it was a little bit of a difficult s- discussion um but you know the you know sometimes we're we're in denial mm-hmm. and it's helpful to have i mean even myself i've had those instances where i just missed something that my kids were doing and um and so um just having someone come alongside and say hey this is going on you know it's time to pay a little bit closer attention and by the way if you'll support them in this area in the long run your, it'll be much better for them and for you. Mm-hmm. So, isn't it interesting though the things that she's mentioned how they parallel? Yeah, with yeah. what we've we've been through. we've seen. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so um, I, I'm very curious about the level of trauma because one of the things we've observed um, in our early years before we actually had housing, we um, provided job training without the housing component, and it didn't works so well because (laughs) when you're, you know, in a, in a hostile environment or have no place Mm -hmm. to lay your head, um, trying to get people jobs, it just, it just didn't, I mean, they'd get the job and Mm -hmm. then they would lose it, Mm -hmm. you know, almost, I think one of our graduates has maintained Mm -hmm. 
the job that we help them to get. And the rest, well, most of them are very young, so they've maybe moved on to another job but um, or went back to school. So it's, it's not all for naught, but um, there, there was quite a challenge with the housing piece, right? So now that you have housing and job, it seems like, you know, and, and us too, right? We have we have our community store. We have various job training opportunities. We're actually going to be partnering with La Familia again, um, mm-hmm. you know, to do um, workforce development. Um, and, and then we have the house. And that helps. But a lot of our clients are still mobile. Do you guys work at all with um, clients that are not in the home? We don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. So ours are, yeah, all in the home. A lot, most of our partners... Um, yeah, they, we have a lot of partners that don't have residential facilities, so they will refer their most vulnerable clients to us. I gotcha. see, to, because mm-hmm. to stabilize them, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they know, you know, we, we had a couple of women who were, ready, they had scholarships, ready to quit college because they have no electricity or mm. they have no food to eat. Mm-hmm. And so then we'll get the referral. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That really makes a lot of sense. Okay. So when we come back, I want to talk a little bit, um, shifting gears a little on you. Um, <laughs> IJM, we had a, uh, we participated in a prayer breakfast at PBCC about, um, actually, I don't think it was a breakfast. It was a prayer night. Um, but it was, uh, maybe two months ago mm-hmm. and it was extremely powerful. I thought, and, and now we're going back there on freedom Sunday, um, which is the 25th of, of September. Uh, very excited to be, have the opportunity to get up and actually share a little bit about LNF and also bring our free to worship dance team out. But I wanted to talk to you about the prayer day, you know, the day of prayer and, um, you know, what you took away from that and had, 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 you know, what, what's happened since then with you. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about prayer. And uh, thanks for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Mrs. Kimberly Shields of Solid Ground. And uh, she is sharing with us about her women's home in Kenya um, that is doing some amazing work to restore the lives of women that have been uh, previously exploited or at risk um, for a variety of different you know, forms of abuse and exploitation. And um, just the, just so far, you know, we've kind of covered that the importance of um, workforce development um, of life skills, building life skills and of partnerships in that home. And, and one of the things I want to kind of touch on, you, you talked about that level of spirituality and the growth that you you know, you, you see, but it's over time. Um, you know, we found that prayer, um, while, you know, we try to be respectful of people where they're at, you know, what their belief systems are and, and not, um, you know, Bible thump them and, and overwhelm them with, with the word. Um, and, and we find that there's that interest that mm-hmm. starts to bubble up, you know, as you as you let your light shine, as you talk about your own testimony and what, you know, what God has brought you out of. Um, and, and, and so that's, that for me has been very effective and not just forcing it down people's throat. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that prayer has been, I think the, the, just the, um, it levels the playing field. It just creates a place of safety and, 
and just of, of love and of warmth and um and, you know, along those lines, you and I met from afar. I, I remember seeing your face at the um, prayer event over at um, IJM's um, and PBCC's um, prayer night. And uh, I wonder, that night had a, a profound impact on me. And I thought, you know, I, I remember saying, we have to step up. Love Never Fails has to step up our prayer life. We have to make prayer a priority. Mm -hmm. And so um, we began on the on the National Day of Prayer. We had a prayer outline and we brought people together to pray. And I have been tugging on people to please pray for us like I tug on people to give us money, like I tug (laughs) on people to volunteer. And it's interesting how we can kind of get that. Oh, well, you know, prayer is not really doing anything or, well, at least you can pray, you know, you know, and I'm, I'm realizing that it's not at least it's Mm -hmm. the first, it's Mm -hmm. the best, it's the main thing we need to do. And so I'm just so grateful. Uh, Elizabeth uh, Deloach has been, um, leading, she's the leader of our prayer team at, um, uh, LNF and she's been leading an an eight o'clock call every Sunday night faithfully. And the last time we were on, there were about 12 people on, right? I mean, 12 disciples, like 12 people were on praying. This is getting powerful, right? And um, it's a little noisy, like Benita said, to have so many people on a conference call. But hey, God hears it all and he's able to sift all through it. You know, even it's a little noisy to us. It makes sense. So how, how did you leave that conference and what did you come away with? So during that time, yeah. one thing I've always, you know, I have always appreciated about IGM culture. So in the Philippines, because I did work out of their office for about six months, they pray together as a staff every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even my staff, that is the foundation. And we start the morning with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we know yeah. whatever happens today, it's going to happen. Yes. But God is his grace, his mercy, his love is covering us through it all. Right. We also have the women gathered to pray. And many of them coming from various backgrounds, they don't mm-hmm. have that foundation. So yes. we, we teach it to them. Yes. And it can just start with praying for food, you know, and then mm-hmm. until they realize that hunger is there. And so for an event like the one that we attended back in May, it is absolutely essential to changing governments, to changing the way that we care for young men, young women, children, whoever it may be, who have come out of situations where they've been exploited. It, it is absolutely the, the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And we have to be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's funny you mention it because actually I sent an email out last week to <laughs> our prayer team. Mm-hmm. And we haven't, they had not gathered in the U.S. since, I think, maybe 2014. Wow. And so we are, we're going to revitalize that group as well. And we're going to be meeting in a couple of weeks just, you know, people who, who care about Mm -hmm. these lives, who want to do something and maybe, you know, they can't all stop work and do it or whatever their circumstances may be, but they are like, no, I can do something. And what can we all do? We can all pray. That's right. That's right. That's powerful. Yeah. Maybe we should come together, pray. 
That, that, that would that be, be cool. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, yeah, we, you know, it's the same heart. That's yeah. right. Just, yeah. And what we want to see in these transformed lives and in long-term sustainability, it's the same. It's the mm-hmm. same. Absolutely. And one of the things that um, came, you know, kind of jumped off the page to me and I told actually Jocelyn about it for my jam is that I would like to see us get to this place where, you know, I noticed that, um, the people like we're there representing people domestically Mm -hmm. and a lot of the people just thinking about ethnicities, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the people that are impacted by exploitation in the U S or African American Mm -hmm. or Latino. And so obviously, you know, I identify with, with that population, you know, because of my background and, um, and then, you know, you had people that are going to the Philippines because they're Filipino and that's their background, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to Thailand because I, you know, I have that background and so on, or maybe I married somebody with that background. But what to me is the most powerful thing you can do is when you start making that crossover where you stop just caring about people that mm-hmm. look like you mm-hmm. and people that share your, um, your same values and, you know, your social economic status, mm-hmm. when you just start having a heart of Christ Mm -hmm. that says all people deserve to be free, deserve to live, deserve honor, deserve respect, deserve love. And, um, I challenged myself cause I was, I was a little bit, uh, you know, when I went to the conference and I told Jocelyn this, I was like, there was no diversity. We were the only <laughs> black people there. And, um, and, um, but then I was like, you know, but you were there, Yeah, you were there. And they're, they're starting something new. They're inviting you in to do, you know, your, um, your praise dance, which is something that is completely different for this audience. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're saying, I want to embrace that. I want that to be something that I appreciate that, you know, most of the women that are on our free to worship dance team are survivors. Um, I want to, I want to provide a safe place for us Mm -hmm. to come together and understand each other and, and say, not okay. I don't care what you look like. I don't care where you've been. It's not okay. Yeah. And I really loved watching the dancers. That really resonated with me, I think, from having been in other countries where that's just, that's like what, you know, that's an everyday exactly. thing. Right. Like people right. get so excited. Yeah. To talk about what God has done in their lives. Right. And they scream and yell and dance. And, yes. Mm-hmm. you know, all of these different manifestations of the spirit come right. out of them. Right. right. And so I really loved seeing that. But I, I yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, we did. We do have an adopted son from Kenya. Mm-hmm. So we are a fairly diverse family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, I, I see that natural inclination of people. Oh, well, you know, I want to kind of help my people yeah, yeah. and being yeah. my comfort zone right. so to right. speak right. but i just think we're called not yeah. to yes. be comfortable in that but right. you know to to be greater for god's glory right. and it, you know we're all people and we right. all have inherent value right yes. no matter where we're coming from that's right, right. That's and it's right. so good for from ijm standpoint because they deal internationally right to have you know, an organization such as ours mm-hmm. that um, deal domestically. Exactly. And to have that marriage. Exactly. You know. Yeah. So I'm just really looking forward to see how that's going to develop. And then 
through that, you know, we keep getting connected with great organizations like Sally Ground, where, mm-hmm. you know, we have a pat like we always go to Ghana each year. Bonita goes and mm-hmm. she works with the um, fishing community okay. and the boys yeah. that are ex- being mm-hmm. exploited there. And, and they are IJM's partner yes. in Ghana. Right. Yes. Yeah. So that's where, you know, so it's, it's just, um, again, there's some really awesome work going on here and, um, I know that it's pleasing to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're to come back. Um, I actually wanted to share with, uh, the listening audience about transformation intercession, um, conference It's coming up on September 3rd, mark your calendars nine to 5 PM. Um, and we will be there praying on behalf of, uh, uh, about the issue of human trafficking. And that's at the Jubilee Christian center at the urgency building, 165 Nortec Parkway in San Jose. Um, join us from nine to five for a day of prayer and fast. Again, um, we, you know, we want to, we want to unite with you. We want to stand together unified by Christ for those who need that love and need that healing so much. So we'll be right back and we'll hear some more from Kimberly. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Mrs. Kimberly Shields, who is a uh, leader, the leader of Solid Ground, uh, which is an organization that is working in Kenya to provide safe housing and restoration for exploited women. Uh, and we are um, just having a discussion about prayer and uh, staff covering themselves in prayer before they start their day and <laughs> some of the services that are being brought into the home. But shifting gears a little bit, just looking at your bio here and, and some of your background, I see that you have a master's degree in education and that you've actually taught in public high school in California. And um, as you know, uh, we are actually in the process of rolling out a statewide prevention education program and um, in partnership with Three Strands Global and Frederick Douglass Family Initiative and also um, with the California Department of Education and the Office of the Attorney General. So we are super um, uh, grateful for that opportunity. Um, we have been able to educate over 5,000 students over the last five years. And um, actually, just recently, we've been invited um, to go into a, a school and meet with teenage moms and pregnant moms um, in in Oakland and also in Hayward and do some prevention education here in the next couple of weeks. So super, super mm-hmm. excited about that. And I just wanted to ask you, so, you know, from a teacher standpoint, from an educator standpoint, um, when you think back, and I know it's been some time since you've taught, um, but one of the things that, you know, we're really excited about in doing this prevention education is there's a lot of people that are v- developing curriculum. And that's great. Um, it's great to have an outline. You know, people can pull it down online and they can apply it the way they like. Um, however, what we found in the, you know, we actually have educated over 5,000. LNF has three strands has educated 20,000. And, um, and then, uh, Frederick Douglass over the last 10 years has educated 75,000, um, teachers and students. And what we found, um, you know, between the three organizations is, you know, education, uh, of just a child is almost like inoculation. It's not enough. Mm-hmm. You have to educate the community that is around the child. 
the teachers, Mm -hmm. the administrators, the service providers that are going to respond, the um, law enforcement, the parents, Mm -hmm. the whole system. And you've got to measure if you're going to really measure, you know, it's one thing to measure downloads. You know, I've, you know, 10,000 people have downloaded my curriculum, which, you know, is great, but it's another thing to actually look at the behavior of a community and some metrics around Mm -hmm. the, you know, around that, like um, chronic absenteeism, like um, in school violence, like, um, you know, exploitation, actual cases where exploitation is happening, things of that referrals for, for, for specialized housing, different things uh, or mentoring or art classes or things that you know to be uh, a good answer to someone who's experienced trauma. Um, As an educator, you know, thinking back, uh, knowing what you know about exploited people today, were there people that were sitting in your classroom that you think um, were being abused or um, were high risk for being exploited, uh, you know, here in California? I'm just curious. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And one of the public schools that I worked in within the Bay Area was really, really diverse ethnically and economically. And at that time, I was still young in the field, and I don't think that I was really aware of some of the markers for someone who was possibly being exploited or abused or, in, in a, you know, in some way was being traumatized. Yeah. And yeah. I think that there are a lot of people, they just kind of, they do their jobs and they just think, well, you know, she has behavior problems mm-hmm. or she got triggered by this and mm-hmm. they don't understand the nature of trauma or of what exploitation looks like. And so we're just quick to dismiss it. Right. And then we just think, well, we look at the grade, right? Yeah. As an indicator mm-hmm. of, oh, well, she's just lazy or she's not trying hard in class. Right. And that could not even be something that's that she thinks about because she's just trying to survive every day. Right. And so, yeah, I would say absolutely. And I would say it's all across yeah. this country. It's certainly in the Bay Area. Yep. And it's at the schools that are performing well and the ones that are not. Yep. And so what you're doing is vital. Yeah. And what's great is that you understand it's not just the students. It mm-hmm. is the whole community mm-hmm. that has to be educated and to be made aware and then t- to be given practical action steps to take. Yes. Even since we, I've been here just a few months now, I've already heard a couple of stories of young people who were unknowingly trafficked. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they just thought, oh, well, you know, someone's chatting with me. Mm-hmm. or, And then next thing you know, they're missing. Yep. And mm-hmm. the parents are at the police station. Mm-hmm. And the parents didn't even know what to do. Like, oh, if my child goes missing, and I think it was because of online, online activity, now she or he's in danger, they're coming to just whoever, like, desperate, and they don't have the tools right. also to even know where to start. Exactly. Get help. Yeah, so many. So, so we have a program called Project Look for Me, where we mm-hmm. actually look for missing and uh, missing children. And um, sadly, you know, we usually get calls from parents after their child is is gone, and you know, they they begin to s- describe the red flags. Mm-hmm. And I just think, oh gosh, if we had just known that this was going on, not to say we could have corrected it, because yeah. you know, we're not. 
we're not the saviors. You know, there's only one savior in this place. Uh, But we could have done some some kind of intervention or at least prepared the parent um, for some, you know, some of the, you know, that this might happen. Um, And and what's sad about it is um, after exploitation does occur, it's so traumatic. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a child um, that is missing right now um, that has been missing for three months. Very young lady. Very, very young. And um, and when she comes out each time she's come back, when she comes out, the reality that when she comes back to reality, she realizes all the pain she just went through mm-hmm. and it's too much mm-hmm. and she needs to go back to the drugs and the denial Mm -hmm. and everything else to cope with the pain that she is in, in realizing that there were like guys, grown up men Mm -hmm. that have paid money Mm -hmm. to do this to me, to hurt me. And I'm a kid. And all of a sudden they just feel so horrible Mm -hmm. about themselves, about the world, about they don't want to live anymore. And can you blame them? I mean, nine, ten people a day mm-hmm. for months and months and you're 10 or 11 or 12 years old. It's like, you know, I think about it as an adult, you know, and at my young, young age here. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I'm like, I, I don't know that I could really say I wanted to live after realizing that people were okay mm-hmm. with treating mm-hmm. me that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so as an educator, it's great to hear you say that, you know, that an education, you know, insight into some of those red flags would have helped you then. And I'm sure you've had that epiphany. Like I have that child was being abused, right? With what you know now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, what, you know, just something that just came into my mind as you were talking is how great it would be too. If, you know, we talk about education, if it wouldn't just be this one thing, like it would be infused into the books that we read mm-hmm. and into the kinds of writing that we do and into the the service projects that we do. That is exactly the, the outline, the right? <laughs> so we're going into every fifth, seventh, mm-hmm. ninth, and 11th grade classroom. In the fifth grade, we're emphasizing the name of the program is Protect. Okay. And so protectnow.org if you want to learn more about it. But fifth grade, it's safe people, safe places, safe choices. And it's all about your your family circle, your parental circle, or your, your you know, friends. Seventh grade is, is about, um, you know, you get sex ed. So it's really talking about your internal feelings mm-hmm. and all of the hormones that are coming through your body right around seventh grade. It's 12, 11 to 14, somewhere in there. And then ninth grade is health, mm-hmm. which is talking about those external factors um, that come in, you know, influences and drugs and things of that nature. And then 11th grade is you are now an abolition, a modern day abolitionist. You are empowered to go out and do service projects and also looking at it from a historical standpoint about we don't want to continue modern day slavery. Mm-hmm. And so those are the pillars that we go through, through fifth, seventh, ninth, and 11th with the goal of launching every child into a place of activism, again, with the support of their family, their friends, their teachers, their administrators. So there's this fabric of we're better than that, you know? And so, um, 
anyway, so we have to take a break, but um, I am so excited to know that you're an educator and have your input and would love to tap you on the shoulder and ask you questions <laughs> as we go. Sure. Um, we're going to come back and we're just going to hear if there's any events that you'd like to highlight as well as uh, LNF events. And thanks so much for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. Welcome back to Appalachian Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. So, um, Kimberly, you have a, a website, right, that you can refer people to if they want to learn more about what you're doing? Yes, we do. And it's www.solidgroundinternational.org. And so with our two homes operating well in the Philippines, we are hoping to expand. But, of course, that does take funds. And so... If you would like to check out our website, then please do so. And if you have any other questions, you can email us through that and we'll get back to you. Awesome. Cool. Well, we always have events happening here at Love Never Fails. And if you are available on the 8th of September, our friends at No Hands Lift It will be presenting uh, their Sister to Sister conference for survivors and those most vulnerable there, and that is in Vallejo. So um, nohandslifted.org for more information there. And on the 17th of September, um, Harmonic Reduction will be having a fundraiser for Love Never Fails on 15th Street in Oakland. And so for more information on that, you can check out our website at, at loveneverfailsus.com for more information there. Awesome. Two more things. Um, We are doing outreach, as always, on the third Saturday of every month. So we'll be doing that in September. Um, And we are actually adding a new component to our outreach. We're going to start doing a um, outreach online as well as an outreach on the street, kind of simultaneously. And so we welcome you to come and join us at Faith Fellowship Church at 6 o'clock on September 17th and participate in that in that process, again, launching a new approach to street outreach. Also, I want to invite you to become a, uh, be one of the million ways that we stop human trafficking. And, um, and what that is, um, and the way that we think that we can do that is by asking you to contribute $1 a month. Um, and, you know, we, we heard when we launched 40 for Freedom, oh, it's so hard to give up $40 a month. And we totally empathize. And so what we've done is we've launched a $1 a month giving campaign. And we're asking that if you would just take a moment, go to our website, loveneverfailsus.com forward slash million. Uh, you can sign up there. If you um, don't want to set up a PayPal account, you can uh, do an annual contribution via our Razoo app that's also on that page. And you can do it for twenty. So an annual $12 amount um, uh, contribution or a a monthly contribution of $1. Again, just anything um, that you, you know, that the Lord places on your heart, anything you can afford is much appreciated. Um, I just want to put a shout out. Don't forget Freedom Sunday. Uh, September 25th, and the particular one we will be participating in will be at PBC, but um, there in Cupertino, but any church and all churches, wouldn't it be great if all churches celebrated freedom on the 25th of September? And that's kind of the goal of of the whole week and the whole day. So I encourage uh, churches to join us, join us 
and have a Freedom Sunday on the 25th of September. Yay. Yes, please do. And of course, uh, we want to just uh, thank our guest, yes. Kimberly Shields, for all of your wonderful work and mm-hmm. sacrificing so much, you and your boys and your husband. Tell Dave we said hi. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and um, also my partner in justice, thank you to you and no all that problem. you do. And um, of course, if you're listening and you haven't heard it from us before, we want to make sure that also that you know that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Abolition Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and survival and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at abolitionradio.org, by liking and sharing our page on Facebook, Facebook slash Abolition Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. Abolition Radio is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported, nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in sex trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to abolitionradio.org and click on Love Never Fails. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries and with major support from the staff and membership and donors at Faith Fellowship Church. Our theme song, Courage to Believe, is by Justin McRoberts. Hear more about his passion for justice and art at justinmcroberts.com. Our audio engineer is Jarrell Martin, and this is Dave Naderhood. On behalf of Vanessa, Benita, and the whole team at Love Never Fails, Thanks for listening, and thanks even more for taking action to help set captives free. You're in the neighborhoods we live in. You're in the ones we're passing by. You're in the ones we call our neighbors, and the ones who still escape our eyes. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.